Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of Stronger Self Radio. In these episodes, me and other influencers from around the world will help bring you inspiring and insightful content in the topics of fitness, business, lifestyle, mental health, and personal development to help ignite your passion for creating a better world and living your best life. I'm your host, Caleb Spiro, and let's find out what makes you into your most powerful, empowered, and strongest self. actually prepped for 25 weeks. And during that 25 weeks, I only lost nine pounds. While weight isn't the uh, overall objective to get on stage, it was definitely indicative that I wasn't bringing any conditioning in my body had just essentially stalled. And what I boil that down to is a hormonal imbalance from competing since 2012. Yeah. And I think the most I ever took off was nine months during that time frame. So I just the impact that competing had on my body over time caused me to have to say no to competing last year. And uh, I can't thank myself enough for making the wisest decision I could have done, um, which was I ended the relationship with my previous coach on relatively good terms, knowing that I had told him that I needed, it wasn't just time that I needed because I think my body needed a little bit more care than he could have facilitated for me at that time. And I also didn't know what kind of expenses that would cost for me to utilize the resources that I needed to. I was actually thinking I would need to go into like a hormone replacement therapy program through my physician. And that's very expensive. If you're, if it's not, if, if I was doing it simply for the means to an end of competing and not because my actual blood work said I needed to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just, I foresaw a lot of, external expenses and my coach at the time was very expensive so that was how I essentially needed to terminate the relationship was because I was scared of what you know monetary expenses I would accrue and I reached out to a coach who is very well known for hormone uh or for more less less of a hormone replacement therapy and more of a hormone balance therapy and he actually has his own line of like holistic supplements that are responsible for helping hormonal balance. And so I started working with Jason Theobald in August of 2017. And I've been very pleased working with him. And so far, I've been able to go through a full reverse diet with him. And I've also now gone through an entire contest prep with him and continued to maintain proper hormone levels in order for me to ovulate as a female, um, in order for me to perform in the gym, in order for me to diet and actually lose body fat. In fact, I'm coming in far more conditioned than I ever have in my previous years competing. And I do attribute that to the fact that I gave myself that buffer that I needed to. I, I reverse dieted properly. I gained the right amount of body fat that my body needed in order for me to withstand a contest prep again. And I just took the a right amount of protocols to help my overall parasympathetic system activate. I essentially maintain sympathetic nervous responses for probably years on end. And I never looked into how I could activate my parasympathetic system enough to keep my internal stress low enough to where my body would continuously lose body fat. Yeah. So overall, like it was the biggest learning experience for me as an athlete and as well as a coach. And now 
as a, from a coaching perspective, I am very adamant with my female athletes. I'm very adamant with my even female lifestyle clients that I refuse to diet clients unless they can prove to me that they can actually intake enough calories to support a dieting phase. And I rarely start off working with a client and saying, Oh, great, let's go into a weight loss or fat loss phase. Absolutely not. I'm this, this whole learning experience for me has made me a stronger coach and a more adamant coach in my beliefs and how the female body operates and the successes that a woman can have both in the gym and in a fat loss phase and in a reverse dieting phase. Like I'm just very adamant about how I go about things now because of what I've learned and some of which I had to learn the hard way, unfortunately, but those, I think those lessons are some of the strongest lessons you can ever learn as an athlete. Yeah. Wow. That's all really powerful. And I just, I appreciate you being so open and uh, about these issues because sometimes I think there's a lot of stigma, I guess, um, yeah. against the female, re you know, whole reproduction system. And so I really appreciate you being an advocate for that and speaking up about that because I think it's an, an important issue that is definitely being talked about more than it ever has, but still needs to have more voices and more stories and more coaches who can help uh, people move past those issues or even uh, avoid those issues in the first place, which oh, I think yeah. is really yeah. cool. And I'll never, so, I'll never be that competitor that you hear say competing ruined me or competing. No, I take full ownership of where I got myself and what I did to myself and in the efforts of competing and because I love competing so much. And I think it says so much more about me as the athlete. And I think, I hope it proves to women that do look at competing as being the cause of these issues. And they, they see that I still came back to the stage. I still came and brought an even better package because of what I did to step away. And I just, I think right now there's this stigma with competing as the sole causation for these issues with women or just dieting in general. And I think as women and as athletes, we have to take ownership of our actions and our failures to do the right things the first time. Um, and by beating ourselves in the ground, essentially, we're not doing any favors for ourselves. But I think we have to always take ownership of the things that caused us to get here rather than ex rather than this external source being causation for hormonal dysfunction, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. You said that yoga was something that opened up many different doors for you. I was wondering, so like, how has yoga been influential in your life? Well, first off, um, it grounded me in the community of Louisville, um, where I live. I hope, I don't want to get like emotional on this, but many of my truest friends here are actually yogis. And they introduced the sport to me, or they introduced the practice of yoga to me in a very non-judgmental, non-forceful way. It was never, you have to come to yoga class with me. It was like, do you want to join me for this class or have you tried this kind of practice? Or it was never this thing I felt forced to do to be friends with these people, but that their energy just drew me to the practice. And when I heard about restorative, like first, my whole concept of yoga was like, it's got to be in a hot studio. You're going to sweat. You're going to slip all over your mat and you're going to have to try to move your body as fast as you can and get into these weird contortion positions. And I first off was exposed to as many styles of yoga that were nothing like that. So my whole, my whole preconceived notions of yoga were basically thrown out the door and I was introduced to yin yoga. And so yin is actually where 
your body is in a complete relaxed state in a position to where you can actually release. So you're not trying to contort yourself into these random positions and won't flow to get to them. You actually purposely set up bolsters, blankets, blocks, and you kind of build this platform that's, uh, that embraces your body and allows you to open up and you hold those positions for three to five minutes. And that actually just releases so much in your body and your connective tissue. And it allows, like I said, your parasympathetic system to take over. And so it turns off that fight or flight response in your body. And when you get that opportunity to turn that off, your cortisol levels reduce, your inflammation reduce, your recovery increases, and your potential, honestly, for fat loss increases in your daily activities if you are able to manage your cortisol and your sympathetic response to everything, if that makes sense. So while yoga gave me this like re new, like refound energy system in my body, it also gave me like a deep rooting in the community and the people that I needed to be around for me to have faith in being an athlete again and what I wanted to do, if that makes sense. Just their, their open hearts and their encouragement and their willingness to learn why I was taking yoga and their willingness to give me the best advice on how to do so. Like, honestly, like I, I'm forever grateful for the individuals in my life who brought that to me because I wouldn't have just stepped into a yoga studio without them. I know that <laughs> it wouldn't have been my yeah. thing. I'm like a workhorse. Like I've got to sweat. I've got to lift this amount of weights. Am I progressing in this amount of weights? Like I'm just constantly thinking in numbers and weight training aspects of life of training and not working on those aspects of training as well. And so it really, I feel like made me more well-rounded athlete too. It's like, it's learning to progress, but with a different approach with not with a, like almost relaxing and in a very meditational kind of way. And I think that that's really cool. Yeah, and it sounds like that yoga, not just the practice and the physical movements, but also the community as well was something that just provided an immense amount of value into your life. And I think that that's really cool. It has a complete and obvious link to such uh, a mental form as well, which is so cool. Yeah, when you said undone, I, I do. I feel like I would literally unravel myself and my body and everything that I was feeling internally and any stresses that I was having, it would just really like spread out on that mat. And until you kind of reach that place with yoga, and if, if, if anybody who listens to this has been contemplating yoga and they've never had that undone feeling, that unwind on their mat, they have most likely not found the community of yoga to practice in. They may not have found the appropriate studio for them yet. They may not have found the appropriate teacher for them yet. And just keep searching because as soon as you experience that, it's the most, uh, and I say it's addictive in the, in the most positive way, you constantly like understand when you need that in your life again. So while I was in contest prep for this past season, like I may only been able to go to restorative class once every other week, once a week, maybe, but I always knew when I needed to get back in it. Um, and once my season is ended and I have more freedom outside the gym, I will embrace my practice of yoga far more frequently, but like each, each, each aspect of my training has its own seasons, but I truly like, I truly can now see and feel when my body needs to be on my mat again. And I've never, I've never had that quite, I've never been able to nail that perspective on my own body 
so well as I can now. So like I tell this to anybody who's listening and I tell this to anybody, any of my clients who come to me with stresses or anything like that. And they just haven't, they think that they got to go to this hot studio because that's where they get the, they get the best workout. And it's actually, it's not, sometimes it can be this small little house that it's this, you know, lady in her sixties or seventies teaching very slow flow yoga. That might be what you need. That might be where you experience that complete unwind on the mat. There's all these different stipulations that people think about yoga or these preconceived notions that they have. And, and you just have to figure out what works for you to unwind on that mat. And I just happened to find a studio that was close to home that was recently opened. And pretty much all of the people in the community who had reached out to me before were practicing there and or teaching there. And so it was just this environment that was so conducive for me to really unwind. Yeah, that's a, that's really amazing. If, if someone was interested in becoming a coach for people, what do you think is like really important for them to understand when it comes to trying to help a client, especially when it comes to being certified versus not really certified and just kind of going off your own personal experience? Well, I I will say that I have a pretty strong uh, opinion on this in the industry. And I feel that if it wasn't for macro tracking, we wouldn't have these pop-up coaches. If you can't, because here's the thing is many of us aren't actually able to write meal plans. We're not legally allowed to do that unless you're a registered dietitian. And if it wasn't for these wonderful apps like Macro, My My Fitness Pal, My Macros or whatever, we as online coaches wouldn't even be able to have gone this route. Like the fact that those apps exist are truly the reason why there's this overwhelming sense of anybody can be a coach now. Because you can assign somebody macros and that's within your that's within your realm of of expertise because you're not telling them what to eat or when to eat it. You're just having them hit objectives. And those objectives obviously can be within given ranges. You know, somebody could be like, I need three to five grams of fats a day from this range that I'm giving you kind of thing. Because I work with clients of all ages and of all sizes and all types. And I can guarantee you that the 55-year-old woman who comes to me isn't going to get in my fitness pal every day. So I have to teach her how to understand food from a non-numerical perspective. And while I can't produce an actual meal plan for her, I can help her understand portion control. I can help her understand, you know, you need to aim for, you know, this kind of protein per per meal at this time post-workout. If you've never worked with people in person, you're probably not going to have as much success from an online perspective because you can't physically see how people like react to whatever yeah. you're programming. I don't know what percentage you would give it, so I'm not even going to try it. But like so much of it is is just being like knowing how to work with people and knowing how to read them, which is interesting because how do yeah. you kind of get a sense of reading people? Have you just developed kind of a sixth sense of like of like being able to tell? Because I feel like part of it is is being able to tell that over a phone is hard. I was an in-person personal trainer for probably, I'm trying to think, I started in 2008 and it wasn't until 2016 that I stopped working with humans in face-to-face. I was still working online with people because my initial start online didn't come about because of social media. 
it didn't come about because of Facebook. It came about because I had to move frequently for my husband's job. And anytime I moved, my clients whom I previously worked with wanted to stay working with me. They were like, I don't need you to stand behind me anymore. I just need you to help me progress in my squat. Or I just need you to hold me accountable in my intake. So I, it became a rolling snowball in the fact that every city I went to, I got more clients who wanted to continue working with me once I had to move. And I'm not good at saying goodbye. So that was my, that was my way of not saying goodbye to my clients who I'd grown to love. So I watched their bodies. I had already seen their bodies train. I'd already seen their motor patterns. I'd already seen their lever, their levers and the way in which they responded to different stimulus. So I could easily write their programs for them. So over time, it just became, I, you know, I need to see, you know, clients videos. And I, I would over time understand how I could learn about a new person, just like I had learned about a client I had worked with in person. Um, if you ask the yeah. right questions as a, as a coach, when in your intake documents and your questionnaires, if you actually make an effort to get your client to divulge as much information as possible, you can get to that point. But again, like I said, I feel like the eight, eight years of actually watching the human body move and watching the daily response of a client who I would change their intake. And then I see them every, you know, every three days walk into the gym looking different, like those kind of things changed and reached and shaped my mind to be able to prepare myself for the online coaching sphere. And I feel like if you cross that step too soon and you don't give yourself enough time in that space and also find yourself facilities where you can learn from other trainers, then you, you're essentially living in a tunnel. You're living in this tunnel in where, in which you think whatever you do is right and you don't expand your continuing education. You don't expand your level of knowledge for other things around you in the industry. And you're totally dependent on social media at that point for income, like truly. And I would never want to be in that position where I'm dependent on an app or I'm dependent on, you know, promoting myself via Instagram, via Facebook constantly just to maintain a client base. I think that's a very... Yeah. Slippery slope. As as somebody who wants to be in this long term, you cannot depend on those things that are fleeting. How are you getting your client? Most of your client base like, is it is it still in person? Then, like, because you say like you you don't want to have everything on that, but then how are you getting yeah. clients? Then most of my clients come from my website inquiries, which come from obviously social media promotion. Um, so that is a huge factor. And I'm not saying it's not a factor. I'm just saying it's not something I actually have a whole dependency on because I do get a lot of referrals. And I do run training program communities, meaning I do the program with various people. And once they get to work with me at that level, then they're like, Oh, my God, I want a custom approach with you. And those people normally within that group translate over to clients. And they, and I also don't want my clients to feel dependent on me. Like I never want, I mean, I do have clients on my roster who have been there for years, like many, many years. However, I also understand that I being a, having a coach is a luxury and people can't continuously pay for that. But if they can pay enough to learn enough to where they feel they can handle it on their own in many aspects of their life, then I feel like I've won in a way as well. And that just opens up my uh, another space for me to teach somebody else this, this amazing aspect of their life that they can have. So I think that's an also thing is I don't ever, I don't ever not disclose enough information to my client to where they can't carry on whatever I'm teaching them in their everyday life. So again, like I said, it's, it's a referral process. It's continuing, continually giving results to the clients who I do have for them to stay on my roster. And uh, my training community is a big driver for people who want 
they want custom training at that point, and they also then want more uh, more of a dietary intake guidelines for their training window and for post-recovery and all that kind of stuff. And then they start to see in that community other clients of mine who are doing coaching with me, like in a custom sense, and they see the successes and they see the difference between the two. They, they see how we don't marry uh, the proper intake with the training program, how things can go awry or they can go one way or the other. And, you know, my clients speak for themselves in that way. What are a couple things that you think distinguish between like, like a pretty good coach and like, holy shit, like this coach is like freaking amazing, like beyond just like basic skills. Like, what do you think really makes a difference between those two categories? If you cannot create a community amongst your clients, that's a big thing. I noticed that more so from a female perspective. Uh, women want to be a part of something. And if you can create a community within your clients and within your client base, those women will then not only hold accountable to each other, but they're accountable to you at that point. They feel like they're part of something bigger than just them. And that's, again, something the training community has given me along with my client community. Overall, I have many clients who, who communicate with one another. I try to post about my clients so my other clients can reach out to each other and they can create those connections. And then the other thing is be descriptive in your emails. Like <laughs> you don't understand how many, how much people appreciate actually breaking down the changes that you've made to their program. Don't just say, do as I say, not as I do, but actually teach them why you're saying and making the protocols that you're saying, like help them understand their body's responses and why you're making those decisions. And they are going to be forever grateful and they actually get to learn from you and not just regurgitate the information that you're telling them to do. Most of my client emails are over, I mean, they're over 100, 200, sometimes 500 word. Like they're never short answers. They're never keep macros the same, keep cardio the same. Here's a new training program. Like they're never those, I, I explain to them why I'm keeping things the same or why things need to change in terms of cardio or are you doing the same training? Like I keep my clients on the same training program because I want them to progress within that program. I don't want to constantly change that stimulus to where we can't assess progression. And so I want them to learn that, you know, training's not necessarily about entertainment. It's about progression. And I help them learn that. So I think, like I said, helping your client understand why you're doing what you're doing as a coach, not just giving them straight facts because those don't actually teach them anything about their body personally. Like that's no different than you telling, you know, woman A to do this and woman B to do the same thing. Like why, why are you telling each one to do those? Yeah. Makes a huge difference. And I've noticed that people just respond when you explain and you teach them. I'm like I said, I, I mean, like I've put in many of my things on social media, I'm an educator first and foremost, like whether that's in a personal coaching setting or not, like even on social media, my, my goal is to educate the masses as much as I can. And if I'm not educating anybody as a coach, then I don't feel like I'm doing my job. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that answer. So as a coach and, you know, as, you know, having a lot of experience with fitness in your life uh, through many different realms of, of fitness and types of fitness, I guess, and, and which is First of all, really cool that you just have that diversity. What does fitness mean to you right now? And because uh, it's, it's, I feel like that that concept has probably changed over time. It has, um, but in in every aspect of it, fitness has made me be the best person I can possibly be in all facets of my life. If it wasn't for being able to go to the gym, I wouldn't be present in my life with my husband. 
if I wasn't able to, you know, take a spin class with a friend, I wouldn't feel as connected with that friend. If I wasn't, if fitness wasn't in my life, I wouldn't feel success in my own personal self. I wouldn't be able to think of myself in terms of success if it wasn't for fitness. That's beautiful. I love that answer. What does it mean to pursue a stronger self? It means don't accept the status quo. You can't find yourself being stagnant. You can't find yourself not continuing your education. You can't find yourself not growing outside of what you already know and who you already are. We're always evolving. We're always changing. The society around us is evolving and changing. And if you can't have that growth mindset, you're, you're not going to progress and you're not going to become your strongest self. So where can people follow you on social media and get in contact with you in case they want to like work with you or just sort of see more about like what you're about? Yeah. So you can check out ChanelColette.com and my name is Chanel like <laughs> makeup and it's Colette, C-O-L-L-E-T-T-E.com. That's my social media handles for Twitter and Instagram. And uh, my YouTube channel is also Chanel Colette. Cool. Well, it looks like you just dominated that name. So that's, that's pretty <laughs> I dope. Did. I took it. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Problem. I can't put it on a pair of shoes. Oh. <laughs> I've tried to always do like the Adidas ID or the Nike ID and I can't use my own yeah, name. Yeah. It stinks. Why? Because it's, uh, it's copyrighted or it's protected for like the Chanel makeup line, I guess. Like I can't put Chanel on anything. Oh. Damn. Okay. <laughs> well, that doesn't seem fair. Name. Too bad I don't own anything <laughs> Chanel. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm sure that probably got annoying in your life when people were like, Oh my God, like Chanel or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, not. Like, but you anyway. and I'm like, no, it smells like my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, on that note, I guess we're going to end it here. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the show and I hope you have a good day. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey guys. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of stronger self radio. If you liked what you heard, please give this podcast a good review as doing this will help get it out to more people and help grow this movement as a whole. If you want to find out more information, go to thestrongerselfmovement.com to find out how you can get involved today. Join the movement. Together, we can pursue a stronger self.